welcome to another episode of Bat Banter. Season 3, episode 49. It's the AFL season review looking back to round 13 and the preview looking ahead to round 14, where today's podcast is proudly supported by the team of Matt and Anna Roller Games and their Mad for Footy board game. So they're kicking big bags of goals, making turnovers at critical times, and changing the way footy is delivered one game at a time. That's what this new AFL-inspired board game is all about. And you can find them on at Roller Games on Instagram, Roller Games on Facebook, and rollergames.com.au. That's R-O-L-L-A to find out a bit more about them, but more importantly, to get your hands on a Mad for Footy board game for you and the family. Now joining us this evening, because we record on a Wednesday evening most of the time, uh, is Jafet Gochez. And apologies, Fet, if absolutely butchered your last name there. But uh, yeah, as I said, it's his debut on the podcast. Now, he's mainly a lover of the round ball game, but we're not going to hold that against him because he also has a big passion for AFL too. And uh, once again, another thing that we're not going to hold against him is that he's a Fremantle Docker supporter. So, Fett, welcome to the podcast. It's a privilege to have you on board. Now, you're an educator. As we said, uh, you you love the round ball game. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your love of the round ball and uh, where did, uh, I guess, your passion for Fremantle Dockers come in? Yeah, um, thanks for having me, Adam. appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Um, my love for football, the round game, soccer, started when I was oh, maybe seven, eight, maybe younger. But I think I started playing like locally when I was six, seven or eight. Um, my older brother, pretty much, he loved it. So I kind of just followed in his footsteps. We always had a ball, you know, some going on in the house, whether it was the backyard, inside, at a local park. Um, and then, yeah, just, so that was definitely my life for soccer was influenced heavily by my, my older brother. Um, and then just continued to play that for obviously a good, you know, 15, 16 years. Um, and then, yeah, I haven't looked back. I just, just love it. I'm obsessed with it. Um, I still love it now, as you know. Um, in terms of my love for AFL, I think that probably started when I was fairly young, maybe like eight or nine, maybe 10, um, Mainly, it wasn't influenced by my brother this time. It was more in primary school. I think I was exposed to it a bit more. Um, you know, the school we went to was a local school. Um, you know, the boys that I hung around with loved footy. None of them really liked soccer. Um, so I kind of had this bond with them over the footy. And then <laughs> just was, yeah, it was just exposed to it. Obviously, through, you know, that's pretty much what they push here in, w- in WA through the media is yeah. a lot of AFL, not much soccer. Very true. Like, it, was, it was mainly um, AFL. And then... Yeah, and for some reason, I don't know, maybe Dockers was just the first team that I, I realised that existed or something. I don't know what it was. It's hard to say, but I loved Matthew Pavlich. He was like my, my biggest idol in footy growing up. Um, and then, yeah, just slowly started to watch Dockers, watch footy. And then, yeah, once I started to understand the game, um, yeah, I just started to really, really enjoy it. And that kind of had my love for footy started as well. So, yeah. Um, now, Fett, you're a bit of a coach as well um, of of the round ball games. I think it's uh, Bayswater under-15s uh, in the uh, the NPLWA. So why don't you just tell us quickly, how's your team going? How's the season sort of started? Are you, at, are you at the beginning of it, sort of half or third of the way through? Um, how's the season gone so far for you and the team? Um, yeah, really, really, really solid start so far. We're about a third of the way in now. Um yeah, it's been, it's my, I've moved from a different club this season, so this is my first time at Bayswater, um, the weather standard is, is very high, um, but yeah, like the kids, the boys are, you know, they're extremely hardworking, they really have a passion for the game, um, especially, you know, when they're all like 14 or 15, they have an insane mindset, like, their mindset is like something I've never seen before, um, 
but yeah, look, solid season so far. We've had a you know pretty much a dream start, but there's still obviously two thirds of the way to go. And um, yeah, we just got to make sure that we keep going. But yeah, so I mean, can't really fault their effort, their work rate. They're great kids. Um, it is very competitive as well, though, which is great. Though, um, in order for them to get better, they need to be playing against you know players that are at their level, if not better. Um, but um, overall, it's, it's been a very very solid start. Um, yeah, so we just got to keep going and see how we finish in the end. All right, terrific. That's really, really good to hear. And we look forward to touching base with you, of course, as you know, as your season continues. And hopefully um, we get to hear about more wins, etc., as the season rolls on. And speaking of the season that's rolling on, of course, the AFL. And then we're getting right to sort of, not not the back end yet. We're definitely into the second half, the second week of buys. Um, so let's get to the review. And really, how could you not start off with the hottest team in the competition that simply is not taking a back step, but instead is taking away all in their path? And that's for the third week running in the review. We love Port Adelaide because it's 10 on the trot. It's their longest ever streak for the club and nine straight wins at Marvel as well to boot. Um, they're two wins clear of third place, which is Melbourne. Uh, the one that tackles inside 50-14 to 9, so not too bad. But for mine, there were some actual stats that had me concerned. They had 72 less uncontested possessions. They had 16 less clearances. That's a bit of a whacking there. However, their 50% inside 50 efficiency was far superior to the Bulldogs on Friday, with Zach Butters again leading the charge. He had 31 disposals, 11 score involvements, two direct goal assists, six clearances, six inside 50s, and 531 metres gain. And in my opinion, one of the most amazing crumbing goals you'll ever see this season. Now, Fetz, uh, I've asked this of many guests over the last couple of weeks, and it's one very, very simple question. Are you a believer in Port Adelaide yet? Um, it's, look, the second, there's obviously two wins ahead of Melbourne, who's in third. I think what Port needed to do, which is massive for them, is finishing the top two. I think they will get top four quite comfortably. Um, whether they finish top two or not is is the question. I think a home, you know, a home final in that top four is will be huge for them. Um, if I was to, if I was betting man and I was to put money on them, I would say no. I wouldn't. I don't think they have it. What it takes to win the flag, but you know, once you're in that top four, anything can happen, as you know. So um, whether I'm a believer or not, I don't know. Um, I think it comes down a lot to whether they finish in that top two or not, but. Um, yeah, it's hard to say right now. Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with you. I think top two is definitely the key for them. And unfortunately, um, they've had you know, a number of seasons going back to 2020 and I think 2021 as well, where they finished um, top four. And in fact, they had two two lots of home finals in the qualifying final, went straight through to to the prelim and they lost both of those so you know that there there are still concerns over can they win at home um right where it counts um so yes they're, they're doing everything they can to get themselves in the best position possible come the pointy end of the season but when it actually comes to qualifying finals semis preliminaries unfortunately they haven't done enough to get to the big dance and then who knows what happens once you're there um but um yeah they're doing everything everything they can just to get themselves in the position. All right, we've got to talk about teams that are just show us a little bit. And um, Hawthorne, the rise back up of the ladder over the coming years, as in, you know, looking ahead two, three years' time. Well, it's on. And they have talent with them after an upset win over Brisbane at the MCG. And you can say maybe this is more about Brisbane um, than Hawthorne, because Brisbane, of course, they've now lost 13 of their last 14 games at the MCG. Um, yeah, Hawthorne, they love getting the ball. They had 103 more uncontested possessions, 94 more handballs. So they hand 
handball their way through the... They slice through Brisbane's uh, defense there. They had 16 more inside 50s. But weirdly for mine, they had 20 less clearances. So it's unusual that, that you can lose the clearance. But I think it's the post-clearance uh, ball that they're getting their hands on. So it's kind of a watch this space. But Captain James Sicily, even though he's going to be out for the next three weeks uh, with that suspension, he was back at his finest. He had 32 disposals at 78% disposal efficiency. 12 marks, 8 score involvements, 10 intercept possessions. And Mitch Lewis, after 4 goals to make it 20 goals in 70 ga- uh, 7 games, should I say, actually across his career, and I listened to this stat um, the other day on another podcast, he's kicked 59 goals in 22 games. Just wow. Like, do, do you sort of, are you seeing the traits they're fit about Hawthorne and Yes, of course, that, that they've still had some terrible games. Go back one week, um, you know, that they were down by 82 points at halftime to uh, to Port Adelaide. But just in patches, in certain games across this season, they've showed us that, you know, they've got so many young midfielders coming through. You've got you know, Will Day, Connor Nash, um, of course, uh, John Newcomb too. You've got Josh Weddle. You know, we, we could go on for ages. Connor McDonald. Um, of course, Mitch Lewis is just, you know, a, a, a jack-in-the-box. And then you've got James Sicily, who's, who's one of the greatest players. If he can just, you know, k- keep his jets a little bit cool and just stay on the park. But I don't know, two, three years' time, I th- I, you know, I don't think it's out of out of the realms of possibility to see that they could actually be pushing and making their way into the eight. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, such an exciting young side. If you're a fourth on them, definitely something to be excited about. Um, yeah, they just, they look really good when they... When they're on, um, you know, just that youth is, is so nice to watch. Um, you know, like you said, Will Day, Connor Nash, you know, such young talent. And obviously Lewis up front, he's just, yeah, unbelievable. Like, just scoring goals for fun, really. Um, yes. And to beat the Lions, you know, by 25 points or whatever it, or so, whatever it was, is, yeah, it's not easy. Um, whether the Lions were a bit off or not, who knows. But nonetheless, to get over the Lions is, um, is massive. And I saw this video, I'll ask you the same question. Um, are Hawthorne? In a better chance, uh, sorry, our fourth one more likely to win the flag than seventy-five percent of the other teams in the next, like you said, three, four, five years. Are they in a better position than three yeah. quarters? Of that? I mean, like that—that that, that is a good question because, like, many of many people sort of can them over the last year or two when they, you know, shipped off O'Meara, um, shipped off Mitchell. But, like, you know, the, the players that they've gotten in, and, of course, some of them are still to debut as well because they only got rid of Mitchell um, and O'Meara last year. So those players that they got from those, you know, second, third-round draft picks, um, that they haven't played yet. But, um, yeah, gee, I... You know, you're you sort of, at, at least now, based on what we're seeing, um, the, the evidence in front of us, you sort of have to say that they are going to be giving teams... Um, a, a lot to think about over the next two to three years. And they're, they're just showing enough in, in every game. I think in the early part of the season, they played w- one really great quarter, um, or maybe that they played two or three great, great quarters, and then they just sort of dropped off for a little bit, and, and then th- that was where they conceded six, seven goals. And then the game was sort of over then and there. But um, yeah, I, th- I think watch this space for Hawthorne. You know, a, a lot of people, are, as we said, sort of criticise Hawthorne for their just slashing and, you know, cut, cutting so many of their experienced players too but it seems at least now to be paying dividends and um, Sam Mitchell looks like a genius 
as I said, at least for now. Right, let's get to another team in Essendon. Man, they just keep staying the course. Another good win on the weekend, sitting six. Uh, one win ahead of seventh and eighth. Um, they've actually won their last four, albeit it's been against West Coast, North, Carlton and Richmond, uh, with two of those being tight contests. But across the competition, they're actually number one for disposal efficiency and marks. They're number three for inside 50 efficiency. Uh and also the fewest stoppages in the league, which sort of leads to their high transition game and the lowest pressure rating. Uh, mainly, they sort of had this run on the back of a great run from Mason Redmond and Jordan Ridley in defense. Uh, Nick Martin on the wing, uh, the WA boy, he's been a revelation. 30 disposals, um, sort of 21 disposals and two goals, and 31 disposals and one goal in his last three games. He's definitely gone through a purple patch, that's for sure. Um, well, Zach Merritt, despite being tagged for 18 disposals, he still had seven score involvements, two direct goal assists, six tackles, and four inside 50s. Normally, the Zach Merritt of old would just be, give me the ball, I want to get 35 disposals, but not much more. But now he's sacrificing his game. It doesn't matter if he's not in the high... Uh, high 20s or, or early 30s. He's still contributing in other ways. Score involvements, direct goal assists, tackles inside 50s. And the returning Peter Wright with five goals coming off a 50-plus goal last season. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like Essendon, they could be on their way to making the finals and maybe the meme will finally be finished, that they will win a final in however many days that it's been. Here's, however, the caveat fit. Um, they're number 18 for defending ball movement, dead last. They're also dead last for forward half intercepts and 17th for inside 50 against. So can the Bombers hold on and make the finals and maybe win a final fit? Where do you see the Bombers? Oh, it, it's, again, such a hard one. Um, <laughs> they, do have a, they do have a nice run-in for the for the season. Um I think they'll. I think they will play finals. In my opinion, I don't know where they'll finish. I definitely, obviously, not in the top four. In my, in my opinion, but they would ideally want to try and get a home final. Of course, as every team does. Um, yeah, it's whether they play, whether they win that home, that final or not is is the real question. Um, like you said, you know, with players like you know Redman, Ridley, um, Martin on the wing, what a player by the way. I remember I watched his first game where he kicked like four goals and. Yeah, he's just obviously gone through a huge purple patch, so that would be key for him to keep going. Um, Merritt, as you said, unbelievable player. Um, Parrish as well, I think he's yeah. back soon. Yep. So, obviously, will be handy when he gets back. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see them playing finals. Whether they win or not, I don't know. I think if they get a nice a nice final, depending on who they verse, it is obviously important as well. Um, I think if they get someone like, if Adelaide make it, someone like Adelaide or the Bulldogs at home, I think they can do them. If they come across a more experienced side like Geelong, you know, or maybe even Fremantle, if they push finals, I think they'll find it tough. But um, I think they'll they'll play finals. But like you said, whether they beat that hoodoo of winning uh, the final is is a different question. I'm not too sure on that one. Yeah, I'm I'm still jury's out for now. Um, so I th- I think just just based on the opposition that they played over the last four weeks, I think they're playing a really uh, a different and exciting brand of football. I mean, I'm really curious that you know that they were so low um, in their pressure rating, and also what was the other one? It was a pressure rating and. Ah uh, yes, of course. The fewer stoppages, which means you know they they're not trying to bottle it up. They're trying to just play on as fast as they can, cut through you know um, 
I guess, the defense in the middle and just, you know, play on at, at all costs. So really, really interesting to see, you know, is, is that sustainable and how long can they keep that going? Um, but the interesting point that you make is, you know, Darcy Parrish, they're doing all of that without him. And, you know, last year, of course, he, he was one of their best players. So no doubt that that will, you know, make a big difference to the team when he does come back in. And the last bit of news, well, man, everyone's been talking about them and their absolute demise. So let's just pile on the, um, pile on the, the, uh, uh, the misery of Carlton, unfortunately, it's eight losses from their last nine games and their fifth straight defeat, leaving them 10 points outside the top eight, their fourth last in the league. Now they won the inside 50s, 56-41 on Sunday. How do you not win the game after dominating the second term? But they simply couldn't capitalize and the floodgates opened for Essendon. They conceded, well, as in Carlton, conceded seven goals, one in that third term. That took the game away from the Blues. Um, that they failed to score for more than 60 minutes, Carlton, and that was the fifth consecutive game that it happened. They only made 33 tackles over a whole game. How is that possible? Only made six tackles in the third term. Um, that, that, that was how easy it was for Essendon to score all those goals. It's the club's fewest amount of tackles, 33, in the past eight years. But lastly, it's their inaccuracy. Six goals, 16. And before this, they had six goals, 15, seven goals, 15, and eight goals, 11. Fed, I've, I've, I've asked this to many people as well that have come on the show. Just what is wrong with this team that has an absurd amount of talent? And, you know, we, we can't question Michael Voss and his playing ability, but can he coach and will the Carlton board be strong enough to say, okay, I think that this guy's the right guy. He hasn't got it yet, but we just have to stay the course because uh, for, for many, many a time, Carlton have been the uh, the leaders in uh, sacking coaches um, just as quickly as hiring them almost. Like, can you pinpoint anything? What are your thoughts on the Blues? Look, it's, there's a, I think there's a few things. The main one is just their, their lack of ability to score goals and points. The last four games, they haven't hit past 60 points, I think. Yeah. Any team, when you don't manage to get 60 points, you're going to find it very hard to win a footy game, as you would know. Um, I don't think it's as bad as everyone thinks it is. I think just because Carlton is such a renowned club, yeah, such a popular club, people like to kind of jump on jump on them and kind of have a bit of a laugh towards them, which is fair enough. Um, with Voss, I think, they're not going to play finals, so they've got to get that in their head that they're not going to play finals this year. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't really see a point in changing coaches, you know, halfway through the season. You may as well just kind of ride it out, unless it gets terribly bad, where they're literally not winning. It. Maybe if they don't win one in the next five or six, then okay, something needs to, ha- something needs to happen. Um, but you may as well just get to the end of the season, and then, you know, if obviously the Colton hierarchy need to make a change, you know, they're going to make a decision on Vossi. Um, look, the ability to lack of ability to not score is, is just not good enough. Um, you know, Kerno is only so much he can do. Mackay, you know, he's, I don't know if I rate him or not yet, but he's just, you know, he's just so inaccurate. And, um, you know, that's really the only two avenues for goals. So, um, yeah, I think just that lack of ability to score goals is, is killing them. Um, and you've got to, you've got to kick goals, you know, that's their job. They're forward. So, yeah, um, I think they see it out with Vossi to the end of the season and then obviously, you know, decide what they want to do. But, um, yeah, it's not looking too good for them, but I don't think it's it's the end of the world yet. 
No, no, as as Ross always tells us, Ross Lyon, Ross the boss, um, it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems. But you're sort of spot on in regards to just just not being able to score and not being able to score goals. They've got, you know, the last two common medalists, but they just can't make it work. And whether that's, you know, the forward structure or, you know, the mids, they clearly get enough ball, but they're just not getting the ball into um to their big two forwards, but where are their other sources of scoring? So you, whilst, you know, it's so great having those young forwards and they're tied up for big, long contracts, or at least I know that Kerner is actually, maybe Mackay is coming out. Um, but uh, yeah, who, who knows how it's all going to play out. Well, let's get to some stats of the week. And, well, the first stat, uh, we're, we're staying with the Carlton train, unfortunately. Just sort of food for thought. Going into the weekend, this is how bad Carlton's forward line, consisting of the two previous Coleman medal winners that we've already touched on, was going. They had kicked just one more goal than Hawthorne and two more than the Kangaroos at just 74 points per game, ranking 15th overall, only ahead of West Coast, North, and Hawthorne, which is actually five fewer as in five goals fewer than in 2021, where they finished the season 13th. They only averaged the second fewest goal kickers per game at 6.25, as in, sorry, the second last. And they the team has only six players who have kicked more than three goals this year. It's just not enough. Once again, not enough scoring avenues. West Coast and Hawthorne have 10 and North 9. It's just dire times at Icon Park, and they've got to turn it around sometime soon. Now, playing in an absolute classic the week before, but taking a closer look at the GWS Giants, maybe they're not as bad as we think, with seven of the Giants' eight defeats, defeats this year being by 21 points or less. So maybe they're not as bad. It's food for thought, and really on the back of a much-deserved win on the weekend. So, Fett... Like, well, we still probably think the GWS are going to finish outside the eight, of course, because they're just way too far behind. But, you know, the, this team still has a lot of talent there. And maybe in the back half, they could be one of those teams you don't really want to play because they might finally pull it together, you know, losing seven of their last eight by 21 points or less, which means, you know, just over three goals. They're in or have been in most of their games, the ones that they haven't won. Obviously, you know, that they only beat North on the weekend, but, you know, North have been okay the last two weeks before that. So, you know, do you think the GWS could be a danger game for anyone coming up against them? Uh, definitely. I think there's enough talent in that team when they're, if they're having a good day, they can obviously not beat everyone, but beat most of them. I reckon if, if their stars are on, then yeah, they're definitely a hard team to beat. Um, yeah, they can definitely be like a, a bit of a sticky, sticky team for the teams trying to push into that top eight. You know, your Essendon, your Bulldogs, your Adelaide, all of them. So, um, Toby Green as well, you know, unbelievable, in unbelievable form. Such a good player. He's, um, yeah, just scoring goals, racking up disposals. Um, obviously, when they got Tom Green as well in that midfield, at such a such a young age, but so well built. Um, Whitfield, you know, Callum Ward's finding really good form lately, um, and Canelia as well, just so consistent as well. Such a good player, in my opinion. Um, yeah, look, they're dangerous. They obviously just pitched long as well the week before. Yeah, um, they did. But yeah, they're they're exciting. I like. Them. I've always liked GWS. Uh, they're exciting to watch. Um, but yeah, no, definitely can definitely cause some upsets going forward. What about you? What do you think about them? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, you know, uh, Callum Ward turning back the clock. Uh, he's just been terrific this season. Um, Toby Green, you know, it, it, it's just that player that, that you love to hate. But he, he was dynamite um, in that massive upset win over Geelong a couple of weeks ago. Um, and just, just continues to, you know, 
basically where, where, when the ball gets close to him, he pretty much marks it nine times out of ten or pretty close. And, you know, he's seven or eight out of ten when he kicks. He's he's just a straight kick. And that's all you can ask from your forwards to take their marks and kick their goals. Um, you know, he, he's just absolutely 100% on that. And, you know, Keneally is playing really, really well this season. Um, you know, I guess, you know, losing Taranto and Hopper were, were two big losses. But Tom Green's got, um, you know, more of a run. He's going to be, you know, a star in, in the next couple of years and I think the the biggest find for them has been Kieran Briggs the big ruckman so because he gets 15 to 20 disposals he gets six to seven tackles I've um, got a couple of goals um well I, I don't know if he got two at the last game but definitely the one before that so they're they're, they're still you know finding some players Finn Callahan too so yeah no they're, they're certainly um on the rise per se but um they're, they're not as stagnant and they're not as nothing as what a lot of people I think thought they were I mean the early part of the season they're actually showing us something now going all the way back to Thursday night and we sort of sometimes uh, f- forget about the Thursday game because you know there are so many games that come after that um but there have actually been 1701 quarters played by the Swans at the SCG but out of all those quarters the first term in Thursday's game was just the second time ever in which the Swans have not scored. The last time was in 1997. Now this week's rising star, George Wardlaw, who came off 22 disposals, 6 clearances, 9 tackles and a goal, and he certainly put his hat in the ring for the rising star award. Um, He accumulated, uh, uh, this of course was prior to the round, he accumulated 17 clearances in 17 clearances in three rounds, which is the third most in that space of time since 1999 by a first-year player. And lastly, and Fett, I'll get your thoughts on this man, Shy Bolton. He was outstanding in the Tigers' win over Fremantle with 33 disposals, 16 of them being contested, 22 kicks, 6 score involvements, 6 clearances, and 11 inside 50s. And before I come to the last stat, in the final quarter alone, he had 14 disposals, 7 of them being contested, 6 inside 50s, and a goal. And I was at this game, and I I, I don't even go for Fremantle, but I yelled out very loudly. I said, who the hell is marking Shy Bolton? Because he killed Fremantle in that last term, even when the Dockers were coming back. And the last stat was uh, he racked up 925 metres and gained, which is ridiculous. Man, I... I must admit that I was a bit unsure of Shy Bolton. He had an unreal season last year. He was superb. I'm pretty sure he was All-Australian. And whilst I admit I haven't watched many Richmond games this season, um, seeing him in the flesh, he just tore Fremantle to shreds. And, yeah, he is just an incredible player. Thoughts on Shy? Yeah, definitely. A grade player, in my opinion. I think he's he's so good. I, lo- I love watching him play. You know, when he's on, he just tears it up. He's almost unstoppable. He just has that natural ability, that X factor to to his game, which is just so so pleasing on the eye. Um, it's a shame that obviously he decided to play one of his best games against Free on the weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much that last quarter was yeah, like you said, the stats are unbelievable. Um, yeah, I think he's top top player. Um, yeah, I just think he needs more consistency though. Sometimes he'll have true. three, you know, three yeah. or four good games in a row, then he'll kind of have two where he's not really at the races but um yeah but i mean when he's on he's on it's so hard to play like that every week i don't think anyone can do it but he just needs yeah needs to find a way to just be a little bit more consistent but still a top player in my opinion yeah Oh, indeed. But, uh, yeah, consistency is the key, I guess, for any for AFL football. So I'm sure he'll get there eventually. 
All right, uh, let's get to the next segment. Uh, this is a new one that was introduced uh, the last two or three weeks. Um, so it's Adam's All-Star 5. So it's the five players that I think at the end of the season, they'll be the top five. Now, last week was Darcy Moore, Christian Petrarca, Marcus Bontepelli, Nick Dacos, and Jeremy Cameron. So that was last week. Now, let's look ahead to this week. And uh, Christian Petrarca, he has gone down to five, just uh, sh- shuffled down a little bit to make way for an unlisted player. And, uh, well, it's got to be Zach Butters. And do you want to know why it's going to be Zach Butters? Well, that's because, and let me quickly get this uh, picture up because I just saw this this evening. In the last 10 weeks, Zach Butters has averaged 30 disposals, 12.5 contested possessions, 7.4 score involvements, 5.4 inside 50s, 4.9 4.9 clearances, and he is first in AFL Coaches Association votes. But still not enough to get the one in Adam's All-Star 5. Only the four, but Zach Butters, welcome to the crew. Marcus Bontempelli, he's at number three. Nick Dacos stays at two. And Jeremy Cameron is still the best player in the game, in my view, not only because of his goals. Even though he's had a bit of a dry run in the last four weeks, I think he's only got maybe four... Um, five goals in four games, but uh, it's his score involvement, it's his marks, it's his disposals for a big man that makes him so uh, you know, so durable and just so dynamic. All right, Fets, who should be out, who should be in, and my last two knocking on the door are Jordan Dawson and Matt Rowe. What do you think of the list, Fett? Tell me. I do like your, your list. Um, you know, there's obviously a few players that are kind of mainstays in that top five. Um, I listened to your last podcast as well. I think it's criminal that you haven't mentioned Tim Taranto. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like it. I think think he's been unbelievable this season, Um, you know, really carrying that Richmond team. Um, uh, My top five is, number one, I agree, Jeremy Cameron, for your reasons that you stated. Number two, Dacos as well. Mm -hmm. Number three, Zach Butters. Okay, yeah, Number four. Number four, Petrarca, and five. I've actually got Taranto in there. Yeah, okay. Um, I think it's just yeah, unbelievable player. But um, yeah, Bond, you know, Bond is definitely if I was to have a six, he'd be six. But yeah, um, look, I love Bond. I think he's slightly, slightly, slightly overrated, but mm. still a top player, of course. Um, but yeah, knocking on that door, like you said, you know, Jordan Dawson and yeah, Darcy Moore definitely as well. It's it's hard not to put him in, but I haven't. Um, but yeah, Jordan Dawson, yeah. Definitely a good shout. I like that one a lot. He's just been unbelievable this year for Adelaide. And uh, you know what, Fett, just for you, I'm going to keep an extra special eye on Tim Taranto this weekend, see what he can pull out and if he uh, makes a mention next week. But yeah, I, I, I think that's certainly a fair one as well. He's had uh, pretty much ever since um, Kane Corns called him out, said he wasn't in the top 150 players in the AFL. He just sort of stuck it to him hard. He's been just superb the last, yeah, four or five weeks really. Um, he, he's having a terrific season and he's certainly earning the contract and the big money um, that he's on um, since he moved from GW US to Richmond. All right, let's get to the deep dive. So we're talking about our two WA teams. We're going to start off with your team, Fett, the Fremantle Dockers. Now, for the first time in club history, just for a little bit of off-field information, they've actually passed 60,000 members, a massive achievement. So well played to the team. Now, to the game at hand, though, and despite the big fight back in the back end of the third term and the middle part of the last term, they left too much work to do, being down by as much as six goals during the third term. And possibly they didn't deserve to be as close as they were. They lost to contested sessions minus 13. The clearance is minus seven, and we know that's where the game is won and lost. And just a 38% inside 50 efficiency. And add on to that is that they actually had the first nine inside 50s of the game in the first term, 
and they had the first five inside 50s in the second term, but they simply weren't able to capitalize on it. Uh, we'll get to some more stats soon, but um, I'm assuming Fett um, has sort of told me today that uh, if you can't get to the game, you'll actually sit down and wa uh, watch most of it if you don't have another event that clashes. What what did you see from the game? Um, what was it just, you know, a slow start, not being able to piece it all together? You know, obviously that uh, a lot of people have been saying that they're not great at playing in, in the wet weather and they didn't adapt quick enough uh, what do you think about you know the selection personnel um do, do you think they got it right at the selection table of course you know Darcy was out and then uh you know Amira etc etc um but where do you sort of sit was that a, a huge opportunity missed or they still got enough games up their sleeve to still you know stay keep their hopes of a uh, top eight alive um on the selection one real quick, I think I think they got it right. It's easy to say, you know, once they've had a bad result to start pointing the fingers at the selection, but definitely had enough to win that game. Um, look, I'm obviously optimistic with my team, and I I do think they'll maybe just scrape it to the top eight. Um, but, you know, in my opinion, if you want to be playing finals, you've got to win every single game at home when you're versing teams that are outside the top eight. You can't be losing them games at home, in my opinion. Um, you know, they've obviously slipped up against Richmond. Judging on your slow start, you were at the game, of course. Um, I think they actually started really well. The first 10, 12 maybe minutes, I thought we didn't get enough enough reward for yeah. our effort. Um, yeah. But yeah, that second half, that second half of the first quarter was poor, and I think Richmond may have ended up even winning that first quarter. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't. We started off well, but we just didn't put enough enough points on the board. Um, and then yeah, Richmond obviously just you know went that second and third quarter just kind of took it away from us. Last quarter was a good fight back. Um, controversy as well with that goal. That yes. goal decision. The, the, the Ethan Hughes decision. I think that would have been, um, yeah, that would have been massive if, if the goal was awarded to Creo, where um, I think it was Vlostin, Vlostin on the line. I can't remember who it yeah, was anyway. No, it was. Where the point was awarded to, uh, was a, they stuck with the umpire's call. I think that actually would have changed the game a lot, but nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I just don't think we did enough to win the game overall, to be honest. Um, it's, it's frustrating, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a good game to lose. Um, and, yeah, I mean, going forward as well, we've got the Giants, and it's not a good time to play them as well. But we'll see whether we play finals or not. I like to be optimistic, but no idea. How about you? Do you think they'll scrape into the top eight? Yeah, I, th I think there's so many teams that are that are still in, in the mix, you know, in that ninth, 10th, even 11th spot as well. So, um, yes, you're right. You have to beat the teams below you, and hopefully you can sneak some wins against the teams above you. Um, certainly what was an opportunity missed, but you do have to give credit to Richmond as well. You know, um, yeah, I, I was at the game. I'm, even Dusty, um, he was really, really clinical. Um, so clean too. Of course, we've already spoken enough about um, Shy Bolton, Jaden Short. Um, that a lot of their big game players played really, really well when they needed to. Um, but what one player who, who did sort of fight all day was Luke Jackson. Um, despite being beaten in the hitouts, um, he got his fair share around the ground. He had 23 disposals, 12 of them being contested, um, five score involvements, four marks, 33 hitouts, and three clearances. So not too bad against Toby Nankervis, who's just a workhorse. Um, he's an animal. Um, he, he's one of the toughest ruckmen going around for sure. Um, Sarong, he was everywhere. 31 disposals, 17 of them being contested, nine clearances, 12 inside 50s and 
six tackles. And, uh, you know, word, word that I hear today from um, an undisclosed source um, is that uh, you know, Caleb Strong may have gone off the track um, with an injury. Unsure exactly where it was on his body. And he was just talking to the doctors for at least half an hour. So we'll see what comes of that. Hopefully he can get up because they're certainly going to need him for that game against GWS. Um, but, yeah, in regards to Luke Jackson, he really couldn't do much more. But I think you have to really acknowledge Giant misses four goals. And uh, I'm, I'm getting on the bandwagon of Paul Hazelby because I've listened to him the last three or four weeks and he's been pushing Giant Miss for rising star. But he's the future for them and he's got to be more than a sneaky chance. I mean, yes, you've got Will Ashcroft, Harry Sheasel, Michito Owens from St. Kilda, but this guy could kick 45 goals for a season in only his second year. Now, that's unheard of. Jesse Hogan for Melbourne, he won the Rising Star Award. I think he got 40 goals. Nick Revo all the way back, he got a Rising Star, um, and he only got 20 goals. Obviously, he got more marks, you know, pretty durable athlete. Um, a, a number of these big key forwards who either won the Rising Star over the last 10 or so years, give or take, or they were right in the mix, they're not going to even get close if, of course, Giant Miss doesn't get injured, if he keeps on the projected tally that that is going at the moment and get 40, 45 goals. If there's a second-year player who's getting 45 goals, that's ridiculous. He's got to be awarded the rising star. So just a last view on that before we make our way to West Coast Fet. Do you think that if he stays the course as he is, keeps kicking goals, gets in the 40s for a second-year player, he's got to be rising star. I don't care what and how many disposals um, Harry Sheasel, Marcus Ashcroft are getting, and even when they say you know Michito Owens is the you know top five um, you know champion data player. We got to start getting on this. Giant miss, man. He is the he is the guy for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, top talent. Just looks so so natural when he kicks the ball. I don't know what it is, but left footers just look so much nicer when they kick for goal. They do. Um, he just has that ni- yeah nice natural left foot. He just doesn't look like he feels pressure. Um, like you said, if he manages to you know put up the numbers come the end of the season, I think yeah, it's definitely hard to argue against rising star. But yeah, Ashcroft is. Definitely a top talent as well. I think it'll be if a miss puts up the numbers. I think Ashcroft, if he keeps going the way he is, he will definitely be in contention. I think it'll be between them two. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Shields is a good shout as well. But yeah, I mean, yeah, a miss is top talent. We got to look after him. Um, I'm just not scared, but we just got to be careful. We don't can't put too much pressure on him too yeah. early because yeah. he can kind of maybe just you know can take a toll and he can start to fall off you know fall off a cliff pretty quick. But they've got to manage manage him right. But um, yeah. I mean, very excited to see what he does, not only this season, but the next, obviously, three, four, five years. Oh, yeah, indeed. Well, not not even three, four, five. I think for the next 10 years, he's just going to be a mainstay in that forward line. And finally, finally, they may have found a player to replace Matthew Pavlich. Right, let's get to West Coast. Um, not much to talk about here. Um, Ryan Marrick, their mid-season number one draft pick. He made his AFL debut after only being in the state for just over a week. And sensationally, it was the sixth team he's played for this year, beginning with the Gippsland Power. He played for the Young Guns, which is uh, you know a, a young a young state team in Victoria, played for Vic Country, the Box Hill Hawks, the Eagles Waffle Team, and of course, West Coast. So what a roller coaster for young Ryan Marrick. Uh, West Coast, five of their top 10 losses in club history have come either last year or this year. And two in the top six were against Hawthorne and now Adelaide. That's just the, the dire sort of straits that they're in now, just putting it into context. Now to the game, and it was the third 100-point loss of the season, with only GWS in 2012 and 13 having that same number. 
I'm going down by 122 points to Adelaide. With more injuries added, Jake Waterman, who was meant to play on Taylor Walker, he was late out to Gastro. Luke Foley had a hamstring during the game, and the positional mismatches were aplenty, with midfielder Greg Clark used to provide a chop out in the ruck for Bailey Williams, as Callum Jamison got injured during the week. The defence was led by 15-gamer Rhett Bazo. That's how much of a strife that they're in. Alex Witherden, Elliot Yo, and even Oscar Allen, the club's leading goal kicker and sitting third or fourth in the uh, Coleman medal. They all went down back to stop the rampaging 10-goal Taylor Walker. He just had a day out, fair enough, and congratulations to him. You can't begrudge him for that. The stats in one way are meaningless because when you get monstered by 122 points, and but you allow 65 Six five inside fifties at sixty percent inside fifty efficiency and eighteen marks inside fifty. It's just horrendous. They got slaughtered in the forward line. In the first term alone, when it was all set up, they had ten less clearances, twelve less inside fifties, and eighteen less contested possessions. That's in the first quarter alone. Normally, at the end of the game, you're like, "Yeah, okay, this is probably why we lost." But this is the this is the first term. You just don't stand a chance. It just can't be that easy for the opposition to score, despite whichever kind of personnel you have. I'm not using it as an excuse, okay? Like, when 22 players go on there, I don't care whether they've only got 25, 26 to pick from. Where's the effort? Where's the energy? I'm not saying the AFL players don't try, because of course they try, but uh, they just need a bit more. One little acknowledgement before we get your thoughts on them, Fett. Um, certainly has to go to the ever-improving Bailey Williams. He had 20 disposals, 14 of them being contested, one goal, 35 hitouts, and six clearances. All right, what do you make of this schmozzle of a performance? S- somehow, it was almost not as bad as losing by 116 points to Hawthorne. This, this is where I'm at as a West Coast supporter. I'm going, you know what? 122 points against Adelaide and Adelaide, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, look, must be so hard to be an Eagles fan. I almost feel sorry for them. Um, but yeah, just like you said, it's of course it's you know such a young, obviously young young team that you had on the weekend. But you still, yeah, like you said, the non-negotiable is you know your effort, your passion, your desire. That's that's got to be there regardless of you know how your team is going in the season. Um, it must be so hard for the the leaders that are playing like you know your Tim Kelly, Elliot Yo's, um, yes. Luke Shuey, Oscar Allen, but yeah, you know, they've got to find a way to just get to the end of the season, but just show, you know, show that they care. I'm sure they do, but I just think they've all got to put an extra 5-10%. That goes a long way if they all manage to do that. Um, look, wasn't obviously a good a good game against the Crows, especially when uh, Tex Walker was on, you know, kicking 10 goals. Probably could have had more as well, but yeah, probably. It's, it's hard, you know, it's hard when you don't have many players to pick from, but um, like you said, beta winners, a positive. He looks he looks like he's improved a lot this season. Um, you know, and Tim Kelly as well just keeps delivering and maybe even in contention for all Australian this year, who knows? But yeah, it's it's a tough one for the Eagles. They've just gotta keep going game by game and just, you know, try and stay as positive positive as possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that you brought up Tim Kelly. Like, he's been um, just sensational. Uh, this is easily his best season in the blue and gold for sure. I think he's number one in ground ball gets in the whole competition. Um, he's just been uh, week in, week out. He sort of certainly tried his hardest, and you have to feel for him too. But hopefully the players 
excuse me, over the buy, they can just get four or five days off away from the club. Because, like, yeah, of course, you, you could say, well, you know, you should be training every day, getting better and all those kinds of things. But I think it's just that mental aspect, the, the you know, the continual, you know, the comments that are being made of, uh, people like AFL football say that, that that they don't read things and social media etc said that they don't go on it but you know you're a human it's unfortunately it's in our day-to-day lives you see it every day so hopefully they can just get away from the club go down south you know go go east or go, go somewhere where you're not really known and you can just sort of chill out relax enjoy yourself for a little bit to shut off from football and see what you can do in the second half of the season i know that they are meant to be having four or five um you know players come back you know but both with injury and from concussion etc whether that makes a difference who knows but um yeah we'll we'll see what they can do in the back half of the season all right let's get to the tips so yeah, this is all part of the preview looking ahead to round 14 and uh, we're starting off with Thursday night so tomorrow night. Uh, Port Adelaide, they're paying $1.54. All of these are thanks to Sportsbet. They're going up against Geelong who are at $2.44. In fact, let's quickly just look at the ins and the outs. And uh, Geelong, they've got quite a few in. Uh, Max Holmes, Patrick Dangerfoot and Mitch Duncan. So great ins there. Zach Tui's out and Sam Simpson to a lesser extent. Ryan Burton's in for the power. Well, is the streak finally going to break Fed. I'm sort of half tempted to pick Geelong because um, Mitch Duncan, for mine, he's their most important player and he's back in as is Patrick Dangerfield too. But hey, if in doubt, you've got to pick the home team and Port, they've given no one a reason not to tip them. So uh, uh, unless Geelong pulls something out of the hat, I haven't been too convinced by them, I'm going to go for the power. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, no, Like you said, no reason not to tip them, but Definitely, if you want a bit of a differential pick, Geelong, purely because of their ins. Like you said, Danger, um, Holmes, and Duncan, huge three huge ins. Um, but I still think Port, too strong at home. Yep, same for me. All right, let's get to the Friday game. Uh, Brisbane, they're paying $1.21. Back at the Gabatoire, where they just don't lose, really. They're paying playing Sydney, who are paying $4.30. Um, bit of a tough loss to the Saints. Oh, I picked Sydney as well. I thought they were going to get the win. But not you, Fett. You could see right through it. So you picked the Saints, so well played to you. Uh, I'm going for Brisbane. They just don't lose at the Gabba. They just have to start winning at other venues. Uh, thoughts on you, mate? Yep, I'm the same at home at the Gabba. Too strong. Um, I don't regret Sydney at all as well, so definitely Brisbane. Yeah, no, that's right. You certainly gave me a serve there. You're like, Adam, why would you pick Sydney? They're rubbish. So I certainly have to rethink that from now on. All right, let's get to some of the Saturday games. Only two of them. Um, GWS are paying... Oh, sorry, they're playing Fremantle. GWS are $1.94, and the Dockers are $1.90. This could be a cracker of a contest. Of course, it's at Giants Stadium. And as much as you know, we were talking up, talking up GWS um, only recently, I think this game is the one that Fremantle just can't afford to lose, uh, and that's why I'm backing them in despite my better judgment yeah I'm the same like like you said you know we just spoke highly about the Giants before but as a free fan a bit of bias here but yeah I'm going with the Dockers but could go either way to be fair and oh I don't think they actually played them at Giants Stadium. I think they played them at Spotless last last year. It was towards the end of the season, and uh, Fremantle end up 
ended up beating GWS as well. I think that was the first time that they played Jesse Hogan as well. And they came from behind. That, that was a big win for them. So hopefully they can do it again. As I said, I don't think it was at Giant Stadium. I think it was at somewhere else. But yeah, they've certainly got it within their capability. All right, this is going to be another good contest as well. The game's at the MCG. Richmond, uh, who are paying $1.74. Terrific win away against the Dockers. Uh, going up against the Saints. They've got uh, you know confidence riding high as well. Uh, $2.10. Wow, this is one of those flip of the coin games. Um, are Richmond going to be a little bit too heavy in the legs after that rain-affected game? St. Kilda, for the most part, they seem to still have a very stringent defense. Not many people can break through. Oh, man, I think I'm going to go with not a lot of confidence, but I'm going to pick Richmond and Fett. Are you going to say, Adam, you're picking against St. Kilda again? Oh, Fett, ha how do you see this one playing out? No, I agree. We're, our tips are the same so far. I think <laughs> just because they're at home and coming off a good win as well, I think I think they'll win. I think Taranto will have another big one. Um, Shai Bolton hopefully gets up for my tips. But, um, yeah, we'll be a cracker of a game for sure, but I think the target's too strong. That's right. How could they not win with a player that should be in uh, Adam's top five in Tim Taranto? So there's no doubt he'll have a big say for sure. Well, let's get to the two Sunday games. Uh, we've got Carlton who are paying $1.71. This game's at the MCG going up against Gold Coast coming off the buy. So not many teams have done well off the buy. Uh, let's see what the Suns can do. They're paying $2.14. Now... My rule, all, all podcasts long, all season long has been, well, pretty much ever since Cunt were rubbish and they burned me three times in a row. I didn't pick them in 50-50 games, but I thought to myself, well, Adam, they're due for a win. Surely this is the win that they're going to get. Essendon aren't that good. And of course, they didn't do it. So I'm going back to my rule and actually quite fancy Gold Coast. Um, yeah, of course, they had two wins in the greasy conditions of, uh, of uh, Darwin there. But um, you know what? I actually think Gold Coast can beat them. Hopefully, it does doesn't come to haunt me this time, but Fett, do you see Carlton finally breaking the drought? Is it going to be their win that they sorely, sorely need, or are the Suns rising? What you just said before, you think Suns can beat them. I think anyone can beat Carlton, to be honest. But <laughs> I'm going for Carlton. I think that, like you said, they're due a win. I didn't tip them last week against the Bombers, but I think I think they'll have a win this weekend. I'm um, not a lot of confidence, but I don't know. But my intuition is just telling me they're going to win, so... Um, yeah, we'll see what happens, though, but I'm tipping the Blues. All right, fair enough. All right, last one of the round. Um, because we've got Adelaide, Collingwood, uh, Essendon, Hawthorne, Melbourne, and West Coast, they are on the bye for this week. So we only had two teams last week. That was Geelong and Gold Coast. A few more teams this week. So less games, of course. Uh, North Melbourne, they're paying... Oh, $4.60. The game's at Marvel Stadium going up against the Bulldogs who are paying $1.20. Uh, North, they've been pretty promising the last couple of weeks, um, you know, just, just without getting the chocolates. You know, they only lost by five goals to Collingwood. Obviously, you know, that, that uh, one goal defeat to Essendon. So, you know, that they've been showing a lot of promising signs. A, uh, a lot of it, especially on the back of Nick Larky, uh, who's just rocketed up the Coleman medal contention. I think he's in the top five. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go the dogs to bounce back. So, I'm still a little bit unsure on them but if they're any chop um, and any chance of playing finals and you know building some more consistency into their team uh, when you've got Marcus Bontebelli in, in your team you've got to be a chance I think they'll take care of the Kangas uh, Fett for you? Yeah I agree Bulldogs um, I think Bulldogs will get the job done quite easily but yeah, you never know if they have a bit of an off day and North take advantage of it could be an upset but no I think the Bulldogs um, will win comfortably 
Yeah, no, I, th- I think they should too. All right, Fet, how we normally close off the pod is we look to who we, we are. Look at the crystal ball and we find out and make a prediction uh, with uh, absolutely no consequences at all to the prediction. Who's going to be in the grand final? So I'm going to read the top eight to you, Fet. Uh, we've got Collingwood, Port Adelaide, uh, Melbourne and Brisbane. That's the top four. St. Kilda, Essendon, Adelaide and the Dogs. Of course, you can pick teams outside of the eight if you think they're going to go on a bit of a run. Um, for so long, in fact, all season, and I've stuck with Brisbane, definitely going to be in there. And uh, even their loss to Hawthorne, it's not going to rattle me. It's definitely still going to be Brisbane. But, uh, and I've gone Brisbane Collingwood for the last couple of weeks, but just a little bit unsure of Collingwood at the moment. And uh, you know what? I'm going to jump on the port train. It's going to be a Brisbane Port Adelaide grand final for 2023. Fett, who do you think is going to be in there? Oh, wow. That's... um. So it's a good shout, but I think we've just seen the grand the grand final um, the week just gone on Monday Monday ah. uh, the Monday game Collingwood and Melbourne. I think yeah, I think they'll be in the grand final. Um, I don't know, it could be could be poor if they finish in the top two. I think they're real real sharp, but yeah, I think Collingwood and Melbourne. Um, I see them playing in the granny. Cool, I like it. A great shout-out and lots to play. And you know, we look forward to coming back to all those calls. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to tally up all of the teams that everyone has selected, and uh, we'll see how close we get. All right, Fett, that's the end of the pod. Thank you so oh, sorry, much. Sorry, Adam. Oh, there yes. Is one, if we have, do we have two or three minutes? Yeah, of course. There is. I just wanted to add a little bit of a different thing to your podcast. If yep. you don't mind, I want to ask you um, three questions. <laughs> yep, go on. I'm ready. I'm going to put you on the spot. I okay, like it. Ready? Yep. So, you have to start one, you have to bench one, and you've got to sell one, okay? Yep. Prime Dusty, Prime Fight, and Prime Dangerfield. Ooh. Okay, so start one, bench one, and sell one? Yes. All right. Um, ooh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to... St- oh, gee, that's good. I'm going to start Dustin Martin. I'm going to... Bench Patrick Dangerfield, and I'm going to sell Nathan Fife. So I think uh, I'm starting Dusty because uh, obviously midfield and forward. So you know he can do both, and he's he's got proof of you know kicking plenty of goals and obviously getting heaps of positions. Um, Dangerfield, uh, you know I, I think that he would good he would be good to come off the bench as a burst player in the midfield per se. And Fife is uh, absolute prime. Um, per, People would, you know, give you know three, four first round picks for him. So I, I think you would get probably the most for him um, at his prime. So yeah, no, that was um, hey, I love that one. And you know what? They might even get a run in future pods. Fet, obviously copyright, of course. But um, yeah, I like it. That's good. Fair enough. Like your logic there. Um, next one, two more. This one can be quick. Most overrated and underrated player in the comp. Oh, oh, gee, that's good. Um. Okay, overrated, underrated. Um, let's start off with overrated. Oh, well, I, I would have said I would have said a while ago Jason Horn Francis, but he's actually proved to be a really, really good player. Um, and you know, he's he sort of coming into his own, um, especially over the last you know month in particular, when they've really um, put pushed on that run. Um, gee, overrated. That's a good one. All right, let let's go with um, underrated. Oh, I, I, 
I still don't reckon Toby and Ann Curvis gets as much, you know, hype and sort of build up as he does. He, he's nothing flashy. Um, you've got, you know, Tim English, of course, you know, Sean Darcy before he got injured too. Um, he, he's just a guy that that still weirdly racks up 20 disposals, even though he's so awkward looking. Um, you've also got, in addition to that, you know, the, the, the monster hitouts just because he's a monster of a man. And just the tackles as well. And, you know, in, in that wet weather game against Richmond too, um, um, sorry, against uh, Fremantle as well. He was just m- massive and such a huge, you know, factor for them. We know, and we, we spoke about how, you know, valiant uh, Luke Jackson was, and he, he just fought so hard. But uh, Toby Nankervis ha- had his number for sure. So I still reckon at times, I know that he's the captain of the club, still reckon at times he can be a little bit underrated or an overrated. Who's that player that everyone just loves talking about? Um, wait, I'm going to keep thinking and then go to the third one. Okay, no, fair enough. So the third one. Uh, this is actually the one I'm most interested in. So, is the AFL at a higher standard now, or was it at a higher standard in the early 2000s? Obviously, when you had like you know Buckley, Good, Simon Black, Ben Cousins. This is hard for me to answer because obviously I was five, six years old. <laughs> you're so young, um, Fet. So young. So I feel like you're the perfect person to ask. So is it at a higher standard now or back then in terms of just overall quality? Yeah, I think that's a great question um, because, like, obviously the the game is so different. I'm um, like the, the the impact athletes and like a, a lot of clubs they look they look to find um, the, the player that sort of you know can can run fifteen k's etc. Every game, the player that's explosive, you know, not so much not so much the footballer. I think the AFL and recruiters in general they've gone away from from the footballer, the guy that you know can hit almost every target. You know, for example, um, a Caleb Daniel from uh, with the the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, okay, he's you know four foot three or whatever, but the guy's just so smart with his kicking. As I said, you know, re- really high IQ kicking efficiency is through the roof, and you know that um, he, he's going to be able to cut through defenses. So, um, actually, th- there you go. He's my underrated player. I, I still don't think we talk about Caleb Daniel enough um, in, in regards to you know him being able just to you know. Be, be so tight with his um with his kicking efficiency etc. But I uh, in regards to your actual question, I probably would. Whilst it's um you know an attractive brand of football at times um over the last couple of years, I still think that the early two thousands it was more spread out. Um you know that there were more you know big marks. Lots of goals, um, you know the, the the full forward dominated, uh, but I, I think just more so the the rugby malls that we sort of come used to, um, and just the kick for space and who's the fastest person to get it, um, which at times can be our game in the AFL to someone who who probably hasn't seen it but seen it before it might not be very attractive so if if i had to choose whilst i love the game and i'll always watch it so the afl are never going to lose me as a fan but to the to the people who you know maybe a little bit unsure and it's changed so much um i love the um the, the early 2000s and even going a little bit um forward to you know west coast and uh, Sydney, when they had those one-on-one games, like they were just some of the best games you have ever seen. I'm not just saying that because I'm a West Coast supporter. Lots of people that either Fremantle mates of mine or people that, that that go for other teams, it was just terrific football, one-on-one. That like the the best player won. Not so much, you know, team strategies, team defense. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I don't know. I th- I think I definitely preferred that the early 2000s. So all right, there you go. Three questions done. And you know what? Fair a lot. 
love it. Love the uh, spontaneity and uh, keep bringing that when you're on next, man. But uh, also, Fett, thank you so much for those questions. And thanks again for coming on board. It's been a, a great chat. Um, You love your footy, clearly, and uh, you know enough about it as well, which is great. So... Hopefully we can. Uh, hopefully I can twist your arm to coming on board again. Um, what are you excited um, Fet, about coming? Uh, sorry about the upcoming round. Any matches in particular that you, you know really keen to uh, keep your eye on? And hopefully you've enjoyed yourself over the last you know forty five minutes or so. Yeah, no, definitely enjoyed it. it was It was awesome. Um, definitely keen to be back on in the near future. Thanks again for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Um, excited to see Geelong with their in. That would be definitely excited um my boys see how they got after a bit of a disappointing result and Carlton as well I'm looking forward to see if they can if they will get up not only for my tips it's just for for themselves um but yeah again yeah, no, um, the, there are some really good games um, the, this round as well, and it starts tomorrow with that Port and Geelong just blockbuster. Now, if you haven't already, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a rating, and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow us on Instagram. Now, best of luck to your teams. Best of luck to your team if they're playing this week. If they don't have the right, your West Coast, get excited because your team has a win because they're playing the bye, so you can't, you can't lose to the bye, or at least I hope that they can't. But from Fed and I, and uh, from everyone else at the Bat Banter team, as I said, look after yourself, stay safe, and we are out. But now, 